So let's pray together before we turn to Psalm uh, chapter 46. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that precious blood that was shed in Calvary's tree. Thank you, Lord, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ, and that blood shall never lose its power. Oh God, tonight we do lift again those, Lord, that have been plunged into bereavement at this time. We pray for the Nixon family that you would comfort them, undertake for them, Lord, you draw very near. We thank you for the sense of your presence among us in ministry and song and word, even on Monday. We pray, Lord, as that stillness, we sense that holy hush, as it were. Oh, Father, we pray, we believe your spirit is working in many lives, and we pray, Lord, as your word tells us, that it shall not return unto you void. And Lord, we pray for much fruit, Lord, souls to be saved, especially Stephen's daddy at this time. We pray for Fred. Oh God, we just ask, Lord, would you just, Lord, just draw very near to this man, Lord. Oh, would you speak to him, Lord? We believe you are. But Lord, give him ears to hear and heart that is open. And Lord, a courage, Lord, to respond to your word. And oh, Father, we remember Margaret and we remember, Lord, these great needs, Lord. Oh God, we pray for Morella. <coughs> Lord, we remember this Lady Christine, Lord, Lord, unless unless you step in, Lord, this lady needs a miracle, Lord. Oh, God, we're believing tonight you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you can stretch forth your hand and touch this dear lady. Oh, God, to raise her right up, Lord, to full health and strength. Lord, there isn't anything too hard for you. We ask for your will to be done, oh, God. Oh, Father, we're just praying, Lord. Lord, would you undertake tonight? Remember Morgan, Lord. We pray for her, Lord. Oh, God, would you undertake in this circumstance that she finds herself in, Lord, for all those that need a touch, for all those that are bereaved. Oh, God, we've mentioned them tonight. We just lift them all to the throne of grace, praying that you would undertake tonight, oh, God. Oh, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory for who you are tonight, for saving us and for keeping us by your great power. Lord, never let us forget what you've done for each of us. Never let us forget, Lord, the hole, the horrible pit you dug us out of. Never let us forget, Lord, the day that you washed us in your own precious blood. Oh, we give you praise and glory tonight, O oh God. Now, Lord, bless your word. Lord, give us ears to hear. Help us, Lord, as we turn to your word. Anoint us, O oh God. Oh, Father, would you speak tonight, Lord? Give liberty, Lord. Give help tonight. Give strength tonight, Lord. Undertake for us, Lord, each and every one that's listening in for those great needs that there are. Lord, would you be, Lord, would you be their portion tonight, Lord? Would you bless each and every one? And above everything, we pray that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Just remember again, the uh, tomorrow night, the Lighthouse Club at 6.30 on the live stream here. So would you, again, just encourage the children, neighbors, friends, nephews, nieces, grandchildren, just encourage them to, to, to tune in onto the sound of the gospel on, on Thursday nights, the Lighthouse Club. Remember that with Andy and Ruth tomorrow night at 6.30. And then again, our live stream services this Sunday morning and also uh, Sunday night. And also remember, you can continue to give your tithe and your offering unto the Lord. Uh, through the area, you can see that on our web page to donate, and that is via the bank details either for a transfer, or you can post a check, or you can pay through a PayPal. But I encourage you to continue to be faithful in your giving as unto the Lord. Amen. 
If you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning again to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. And we'll read this great psalm again uh, together tonight. Psalm chapter 46, beginning to read at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved, God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Just that verse 10. What a verse this is. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. If there ever was a time that this, these few words need to become a reality and a revelation to the church of Jesus Christ in an hour of such turmoil, such confusion, of many voices, of difficult circumstances that people are living in, lockdown, trials, pressures, a world that is being shaken by the power of God. If there's ever a time that the people of God need the revelation of these few words, be still and know that I am God, it's now. Just those simple words, be still and know that I am God. Be still. These are one of these, this is one of those phrases in the Bible that often on the surface of it, people will take it and look at it in the wrong way. Because of course, on the surface of this reading, just to simply be still, obviously that would just suggest to us that we are to remain quiet, and I can't mean that. And a lot of people will quote this verse from a viewpoint of generating within worship a sober silence in the gathering of God's people. Now let me let me just say something first of all. There is something very precious when there is a holy hush. You know, I mentioned it, and there was a sense of that just at that funeral service on Monday under the canopy of heaven in the in the bright sun of the day as people gathered. But you know, you sensed that there was a holy hush that came over the people that stood there. There is a sense 
where, where when the presence of God comes down, and it's a wonderful time when God visits his people, and it seems like there's a hush that just settles over the congregation. There's a sense that you know that God is in the midst, and it's not so much that we need to do anything, but we just need to rest in the Lord. We need to know what it is to wait upon the Lord. Those words rest and those words wait. And you know, the psalmist said in Psalm 37 and verse 7, that in that time, it says there, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Here we see there's a rest in the Lord and there's a waiting patiently for him. We know that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so there's a a waiting or a tarrying in the presence of the Lord. There is a rest. There is a holy hush that can come. And in that time, there is a sense of refreshing in spirit. There is a sense of God's presence just bringing that times of refreshing to a life and strength comes into that vessel. And when we come to this verse, be still and know that I am God. This is often used as one of those times. It's It should be a time when uh, people don't say anything or people don't act in any way. But actually, when you look at the original, the Hebrew meaning of this be still, it doesn't actually mean that we're to be quiet or not do anything. There's something of a deeper meaning in these words here, to be still. And so often this has been taken and used as a practice within many denominations. We're to be still. We're not to act. We're not to in any way uh, enter into any activity within the gathering of God's people. And and that becomes the totality of the gathering that you that you walk into a building and there's a false humility and there's a silence and nobody speaks. They never practice the opening verse of Psalm 47 that says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. And so we see that it becomes very much just a religious activity. Now we'll pick something that suits the practice of a denomination, but not take the, con- the full uh, counsel of Scripture on these matters. This understanding of being still, it really has to be grasped tonight and not to be misinterpreted in what the Bible is trying to bring to us. The understanding for such an important lesson tonight, I think that we all need to remind ourselves of what this actually is saying to us. And you'll understand it when I begin to open it up. Have you ever been in a situation, have you ever faced something as a believer, and maybe someone is tonight, where you're where you need God to make a way when there is no way and you need God to intervene in a in a situation in your life something needs to be worked out maybe it's something in the workplace maybe it's something in the home something in a marriage maybe it's a financial need in some way maybe there's a great problem that's needing solved and so you pray and you ask God but then You do what I think many of us have done many times. And at one time or another, we have have prayed to the Lord. We have sought the Lord. We have brought it to the throne of grace. We have prayed about it. And then we have attempted 
to fix the problem ourselves. In other words, we have asked God to intervene in a life of an unsaved loved one, but then we, we try ourselves to get them saved. Or, or perhaps it's, a, it's something in the workplace we've asked God to work out a situation that's impossible. It's so difficult and you give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm asking you to in, intervene in this circumstance. I'm handing it over. But the next day you go into work and you try to sort out the problem yourself. We've all been in the circumstances and we have learned the hard way that when we are looking to the Lord to undertake for us to work in one of our situations that are impossible, and when we give it to God, this word here, be still, this is what it actually means. It means that we are to let it go. Let it go and know that I am the Lord. Do you know what it looks like in Scripture? It looks like a people that become tired and weary of 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 trying to accomplish something themselves in their own efforts and in their own works. If you turn to Luke chapter 5, there's a well-known story here. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, we'll read it together. Luke 5 and 1. But we'll see in this how it is, how God works and what God wants to do when God intervenes in a in a everyday circumstance, but then the miraculous takes place when men let it go and give it over to God. In Luke 5 and 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon the Lord to hear the word, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and two and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launched into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. So what we see here is that there are men at work in order to bring about a catch of fish. In other words, sometimes we are working so so diligently, so hard in ourselves to make something that supernatural happen. But it can never happen by the works of the flesh. It's impossible for the things of the Spirit to be accomplished by the things of the flesh, even no matter how, how good and that intention may be. We want people to be saved. We want something to be solved in a home or in a workplace. And no matter how much we work at it in our flesh, it will never happen by the arm of flesh. The arm of flesh will always fail us. And so the Lord was showing to his disciples what happens when we let go of our efforts and of all our works and we allow God and obey him in the circumstance. It doesn't mean that necessarily that God won't ask us to do something, but it simply means that we're handing over to God. We're letting go and we're leaving it all with the Lord for the Lord himself to work it out. It's easier said than done. It's easier, it's easier talked about than lived out. Now we hand it completely over to the Lord that we let go and we let God. And, and this is where these disciples were. Simon answered and said, Lord, we have toiled. We have worked at this. We have done everything possible that we can in order to accomplish what we're trying to do. 
And then he says, but nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help him. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. What we see here is that when men cease doing it by their own efforts and God himself They let the situation go, but God himself intervenes in their lives. Then what we see here is the miraculous power that men would know that it is the Lord. And so it wasn't that they weren't part of it. It wasn't that God did not want to work with them or they work with him. But they, he wanted them to see that everything of the source of their life and everything of what God wanted to do would be only when they let go and they let God do it. It's one of those things that we must learn early on, even in our Christian experience. We don't live by our own strength. We live by the faith of God that is given to us and we live and walk in the Spirit. We cannot accomplish anything in the flesh because all of the flesh is but death and brings death. But when God himself, when we hand it to God, when a people hand it over to the Lord, when a church is abandoned to God, that's really been the cry of our hearts here uh, for so long. And the Lord has been working that work within us. But as even as a people of God, Now we're saying, Lord, we're longing for precious souls to be saved. We're longing for that harvest. We know the fields are white on the harvest. Lord, we're longing for for the church to be revived and and to be awakened and rise up in this hour. We're longing to see the demonstration of the kingdom of God on this earth. We're longing to see the name of Jesus Christ exalted and lifted up and honored and men and women and young people coming to the Lord that they're truly born of the Spirit, that they're truly delivered from the world, that they're truly set free, that they're truly new creatures in Jesus Christ and to see that freshness of that new birth and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, lives that have been transformed and making an impact on the world, not by their efforts, not by the methods, not by the mechanisms of of religion or church life, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's when the church is abandoned, it is let go, and God is God, that God is in the midst, in all his power, in all his glory, in all his majesty, that he alone is worthy, that he's lifted up, that he's exalted, that he's the center of every prayer, that he's the center of every song, that he's the center of every message, that he's the center of every life. And in that, we have let go of everything of ourselves. We have launched out, as it were, and we have said, Lord, at your word, This is what it means, this word, be still. It means to let it go. It's when we push away from the edge. It's when we push away from the safety of religious activity. It's when we push out from the supernormal to believe God for the supernatural. We can't come back again about about coming into a place of of a normal life. We live a supernatural life. We want to come back 
refreshed, revived, full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, but letting go of of everything that we are and allowing God to work in all his glory. You know, that is really the indication of that early church. They had abandoned themselves. They had truly let go of that, of that old life. They had truly, they had truly been delivered from, from the flesh and the works of the flesh. We see it in their lives for three years of all the different bits and pieces that were happening and the, and the great words that they used and, and all their, all their grand speeches about they'd never feel the Lord, they'd never deny the Lord and all their struggles of where they wanted to sit in the kingdom of God. And we know that God in his mercy would deal with these men and his great mercy because he had a plan in their lives as a group of men to bring them forth as those vessels that God would use to pour out the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. What you've seen in the upper room were men and women and young people that had truly abandoned themselves to Jesus. They had let go. That's what it means. This is what this word bestill actually means. That we let go of everything that we are. But then that we know that he is the Lord. That he will be exalted amongst the heathen. That he will be exalted on the earth. And so we're grasping something deeper in the meaning of the word. When the Bible says, be still. What actually God is speaking to us and saying is that we're letting go of everything of what we're holding to. We're letting go of what we have been trying to work out ourselves. We're letting go of those things that are impossible with us. They've been impossible. We're, we're facing things that perhaps we've prayed for for so many years, but we still in some way hold on to it in, in a way that we can still work this out. And God's saying, I want you to be still. I want you to let it go. I want you to, I want you to give it up. I want you to stop struggling with this. I want you to stop trying to work this out. I want you to stop trying to get a plan together and hoping that I'll bless it. What I want you to do is you let this go. You commit this to me and I'll, and you'll know that I am the Lord. You'll know that I am the one that comes. You'll know that it was God that did this. You'll know and you'll be able to say that it was marvelous in our eyes because God himself has worked in the midst. We automatically believe this word means, be still means don't move. But actually, it means something so much deeper because we can, of course, be in a state of motionless but yet have not entered into what it means to be still. You understand it's not just simply the words being spoken. It's not just simply saying, I have given this over. But it's something that goes deeper into the heart to be able to hand something over. I can tell you tonight, it's more than the words that we speak. They're important. But you know, it's a condition and it's a place in the heart of every man and every woman. You know that we can say the words so easy. We can sing them so easy. But it's a different thing when we have to bring, as it were, that that which is so dear to us, that which we're so involved with. And in our hearts by faith, we have to give it to the Lord. You know, how many times have you heard someone say, you know, Tim, just give it over to the Lord. And I believe that. And people have said that sincerely and genuinely to me, meaning it to be true. 
And I've also grasped and said, you know, you're right. I'm going to give this over to the Lord. But I want to tell you, friends, you know and I know that it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing in in the battle of that to be able to hand it over and to leave it at the feet of Jesus. Because our nature is that we want to be involved, that we want in some way to work this out. We have our plan of how we know, God, this would be a great way for you to do this. You could do this in this way. You could work it out that way. Here's the end result. We have the A, the B, and the C. We have the finished article. We present the plan to God and say, God, this is a great idea. We don't say it that way, but really in the depths of our heart, that's how we act. And you know that God never works on the ABCs. God's way isn't our way. You know, every time that we think, and this has been, for us, this has been our testimony, that every time we think the likely way that God is going to do something, He does it the unlikely way. It's never the way that we think that He's going to do it. And sometimes it looks nearly as though it's obvious here God's about to do it this way. But every time... Every time, even though it looks logical, it looks right, it sounds good, but we have noticed in our walk, we have noticed that God's way is not our ways, and he never does it the way that we thought he was going to do it. He is a wonderful God. His way is perfect, and the reason that he does it that way is so that we would know that he's God, that we would know that he is the Lord, because if if he does it just the way we think he should do it or we have told him to do it, then it's our way and our ways never work. He's an awesome God. We automatically think when it says, be still, don't move, but it's much deeper. It goes into the very heart of every believer and every woman, every man. However, this means for us that we are to hand over. Have you got something that you need to hand over tonight, friend? You know, have you got something? I know it's more devotional in that sense, but is there something that you need to hand over, but it's you don't even know how to do it? You've been so used to the pattern of here is a circumstance. It could be something for years, but that you worked on for years. You've done everything that you possibly can to get God to work in it, for some miracle to happen in it, for some person to see. You can't make a blind man see. None of us can, but God can. You can't deliver a man out of a horrible pit, but God can. We can heal one person, but Jesus can. And so what we're seeing here is that God is wanting us to bring it to him, bring it over to him. God will not work while we are still trying to accomplish God's work by our means or our flesh. He just won't work. He just won't work. It's not that he's being mean. It's just that his way is way above our ways. And so he'll let us toil like those disciples. A friend, I tell you, I'm being honest with you tonight. I know I've toiled so many times. I know that I've that, that not in the sense of physical work. That's not what I'm talking about. I know that there are circumstances over the years of my Christian experience that in some way I've felt that 
and, and that I could make this work. And God every time has brought me to the place of, of an, empty, an emptiness in the sense that it can never work by what I think or how I do it. And what I've began to learn and slowly learning, I'm a slow learner, but I'm learning. What I know is that when I bring it to him, no matter how horrible, how deep, how impossible it is, but so many times what we have seen is that God makes it beautiful in his time. That God takes it when we leave it with him. When we bring it to an altar and say, God, when we pour our heart out to the Lord, just like Hannah at that altar, and the cry before the Lord and the adversary was, a, was provoking her dearly. But friends, it's at that time when we truly in our hearts pour it out to the Lord that then God works. He works and then you know that I am the Lord. That's what we want to know. We want to hear that. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Then we know that he is the Lord. And it makes us something so much more beautiful at that time when we know that he's the Lord. We know he's done the work. And then we rejoice in the Lord. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman worketh, waketh but in vain. Do you know the Lord's building his house? He's building his church. But when he builds it, he builds it his way. He builds it by his means. And he builds it by his spirit. A house built by the flesh will fall. But a house built by the Lord, a spiritual house with a spiritual people, with spiritual workers, that house is going to stand. Let go. The word really is let go. And let God be still means to let it go. Maybe tonight, friends, someone's listening and you just, you have this, but you need to hear these words tonight. You need to let this go. You need to let this go. This must be let go. You've toiled, you've become tired with it. You become weary with it. You become exhausted. You know, there's, there's physical tiredness, but then there's a weariness in the mind. And weariness in the mind exhausts the whole body. And we must let that go. We must let whatever it is, you have to let it go. The simple phrase is let go and let God. Be still and know that I am not. What, we, what must we do? What must happen at this time? Do you know, in Genesis chapter 22, we often reference this great, this great story because it's, there's so many pictures in the story. There's so many wonderful shadow and types in the story of Abraham and Isaac, the son of promise. And the Lord speaking to Abraham that he was to take his son, that he was to take him to the place that the Lord would show him, that he was to bring the wood, he was to bring the torch, the dagger and so forth, and bring Isaac. He left the, the servants and they went to the place. The Lord said, this is the place. And so we see that, we see that, that Abraham builds that altar and he says, he's continually saying, you know, like we often say to, to our friends, our fellowship, the Lord will provide, the Lord will do it. And I know we all mean that in a sincere way. And he says, the Isaac is Isaac. saying, well, how are we going to do this, Lord? How are we going to do this, Father? Where is the sacrifice? 
And so Abraham is continually speaking faith into the young lad's life and saying, the Lord himself, he'll provide a lamb. And you know, when this is the way we look at it, and this is the way we believe in it, this is the faith that we have, you know, in, in the impossibilities of, of everything of this fellowship, of all the great needs that there are, of all the people that need a healing, of all the people that need saved, of all the people that need delivered, of all the financial needs, of the financial need of this building behind us. And we all speak the right thing, and it's true. We believe it. The Lord himself will provide. That's what we say. The Lord himself will provide. We know him to be Jehovah Jireh. We know because he's shown himself to this fellowship, to your life, to my family, to your family. Is he not Jehovah Jireh? Is he not the provider? Has he not stepped into our lives time and time and time and time again? That's who he is. And so we say, as, as a baton has been passed down from generation to generation, the Lord himself, he will provide. He will provide. But then we come again. This is this so fresh because it, it happens again. And we see Abraham with Isaac. And I want to show you something really very simple because in Genesis 22 and verse 9, Genesis 22 and verse 9, and I know we, we read this and, and I, we know it well. And maybe there's nothing necessarily new that I'm saying, but I believe it's timely for someone. In Genesis 22 and 9, it says, And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Friend, when we're talking about letting go and letting God, this is what it looks like. This is exactly what it looks like. We take that Isaac. We build that altar. We, we get into a place of prayer with God. We get down on our knees in all sincerity. God knows our hearts. And we take our Isaac and we bind it to that altar. It's at that point, you see, that God, the God of heaven, was looking into the heart of Abraham. It is at that moment that God knows that Abraham, his words were God himself will provide. But now his words, now his words have become the reality of his faith and his action. There's the obedience of faith. There's the courage of faith. And here he lays, not Isaac, not saying that, you must let go of tonight, even as a fellowship, we must say God himself will provide. Well, we'll tie that to the altar in this house. And then at that point, what we see here is, Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay the son, and the angel of the Lord called out on the, out of heaven and said, Abraham and Abraham. And he said, here am I. In other words, it's at that point, be still and know I'm the Lord. That's what God intervened in that whole thing in an instant. Once he's seen in the sincerity of his heart that Isaac was on the altar. You know, it's letting go. And it is letting God. You know, when we get to the feet of Jesus, we're reminded of, of, of in Matthew, Mark chapter 5, sorry, when Jairus came 
One of the rulers of the synagogue came and saw the Lord, his daughter sick. But do you know, do you know where he let go? When he fell at the feet of Jesus. When he fell at the feet of Jesus. You know, we can run, we can run here, we can run there, we can run around. We can run to this one, we can run to that one. I'm not saying it's not right to get counsel or to get encouragement or get prayer. I believe it's so important that we do. But I tell you, when we get and bring the things that are in our lives that we've been working over and working through and holding on and trying to work out, I tell you, the best place to get to tonight is right at the feet of Jesus. That's where it happened. Jairus was going to know that I am the Lord. It only happens when we lay it fully down. Let go. Be still. Let go. And know that I am the Lord. How many things have we got? Many, how much stuff in our lives are we holding to that God is saying, that God is saying, be still. In other words, nobody's saying, listen, let go. I want you to let go of this. Oh, friend, I believe as a people, as the church of Jesus Christ, that's why I said at the beginning, if ever we needed the revelation of this, it's today. God's saying, church, we need to let this go. We need to know that I am the Lord. We need the Almighty God to be in the midst. We want them to be exalted among the heathen. We want them to be exalted in the earth. And we're saying, God, tonight we're going to let go. We want to let go, but we want to let God work and his awesome and his mighty power. Can I tell you, saints, I believe this with everything. God's desiring and God's purpose, that is, that he wants to work in a mighty and a glorious way for the name of his Son. We read in Ezekiel 37, if you can turn to it for a few moments as we close, Ezekiel 37 and verse 11. We read the story so often, but you know, I believe that the Lord wants to be known. He wants to be known in Balnehens. He wants to be known in our homes. He wants to be known in the nation. Because at the minute, friends, this nation is in turmoil. But you know, more than ever before, it's our desire that people would come to know the Lord. They come to know this Christ, that God would be known because they've forgotten God. They've turned from God. And so our cry is, just like Ezekiel's brought into that great valley. In Ezekiel 37 from 11, just for time's sake, it tells us there that Israel say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we're cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people. You see, this is when we know. I'm going to open your graves, cause you to come up out of your graves. And I'm going to bring you into the land of Israel. And verse 13 says, And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken it. I have performed it, saith the Lord. Oh, friend, do you see it? What a promise this is to Israel. We know that he's speaking to his people Israel. But you see it here, the reality, the supernatural power of God. That there's a time 
you know, when men will know that this is the Lord. This has not been a work of man. This is the Lord. The Lord has done it when graves are opened. When people come up out of their graves, out of the pits of sin and death, when people are resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, when people are brought into the kingdom of God, when God does it, when God saves, you know, the seed's been sown faithfully in this land over many generations. But I believe that we're going to have a harvest that we have not even sown for or worked for, that there's going to be a harvest of souls, an increase when God works supernaturally. This is when we'll know it's the Lord. Because only God can open graves. Only the Lord can open graves. Only the Lord can bring people out. Only the Lord can save or unsaved loved ones. Only the Lord can deliver the oppressed. Only the Lord can raise the dead. Only the Lord can cleanse the leper. Only the Lord tonight, friends, can break the powers of sin and the strongholds of the enemy and bound the hinge. It's only the Lord. But when he does it, we'll know that he's the Lord. Oh, let us let go. Let us let God. And then we'll know that it's the Lord has spoken it. Not only did he, has he spoken it, but it's the Lord that's performed, performed it. And it's the Lord that will be exalted. Friend, tonight I encourage you, be still and know that I am the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight, Lord, for everyone that's listened in. Pray for those that you've witnessed. Your word has been a witness in the spirit, in their hearts, in their lives. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that we truly would, as a people, as individuals, in every way, with everything, Lord, with faith in our hearts, with a willingness tonight that we would let go, truly let go, and let go that you would be known. Oh God, tonight we give you all the praise, all the glory for what you're doing. May you give grace tonight to some soul, Lord, to some weary soul, just to let it all down and let God be God. Move in the midst, we pray. Glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.